We're going to continue our series on men and women of the Bible, and we're going to talk about Eve today. So turn with me over to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. The title of the message is Eve, created as co-regent of earth. Eve, created as co-regent of earth. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, 25 through 27, and then Genesis 2, 18 through 23. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. 20. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to all the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Verse 23. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Lord, help us. We study your word today. Last week we talked about what creation looked like with respect to Adam. This week it's going to be Eve. And we, we're going to use basically the same outline we used last week, but we're going to add a point, and that is the beginning of the sermon, which, which highlights the idea that, that it wasn't a good idea for man to be alone. Now let me see if I can flesh this out to give you some perspective. Genesis chapter 1 is a chronological order of how he created the world. Not much detail with respect to the priorities. It's just a chronological order. We see the pinnacle of that creation being the, 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 the making of man and woman, male and female, in his image. Every day on that six-day calendar, whatever it was, that chronological order, was good except one day. And it doesn't mean that day wasn't good. It's just not described as good. Meaning every day, usually it's described as when, the, when God finished what he was doing and God said it was good. That is the commentary of that day. Day one, day three, day four, day five, and day six. We're going to talk about day six in a minute. But day two, there is no description of that day being good. That is the day when God separated the waters from below from the waters above. And I believe the reason the Lord did not describe that day as good because every other day there was an addition added to the earth that made the earth something of a workable place to which Adam could be applied and then there would be synergy that would be phenomenal. But day two is different. There was nothing added. Things were separated. And generally, not a good idea to separate stuff. Though it needed to be done. The waters needed to be separated so there was an atmosphere for people to live. I think it's God's commentary from the very beginning all the way through Scripture that it's better to be together than separate. And so God doesn't give a commentary at the end of that day as being good. doesn't mean it was bad. It just means he's not saying that's good. But <laughs> on day six, after he had created all things, 
And he puts Adam and Eve, his man and woman, at the pinnacle of his creation, for which he had made all these things. They were the regents of earth. They were supposed to rule the earth as he ruled the universe. As he puts them there, he says something different than he did on day one, three, four, and five. He doesn't just say it was good. He said, oh, it was very good. Meaning, now that he had had all that he had planned in order to make this earth work well, he said, this is phenomenal. And God loves things when they're all put together in such a way that they work together well. It's a great thing when a planter goes out to plant a church, but when he gets a group of people that want to serve with him, and they begin to grow and they serve the community, it gets even better. It's a great thing when a mom and dad decide, excuse me, when a husband and wife decide to get together and say, I do. It's even better when a mom and dad start having babies and they produce a little kingdom in their own world, a slice of glory on the earth by which people can come in and experience who God is best because they've never seen a good family. They walk in and say, phenomenal. When things work together that are complicated and sometimes it's proven that when you get more stuff in there that's incompatible, it falls apart. Yet when God's in it, it sticks together. People say, that's something else. Very good. So God gives commentary with respect to the quality of his work. And when it all works together really, really well, he lets everybody know. But the one thing he did say as we get to Genesis chapter 2, in that we have Genesis 2 as a different style of communication. It's a different kind of writing. Genesis 1 is just chronological. Genesis 2 is more on priority. And, and, and what God thought about when he thought about how he created, he was, created what, he wanted, wanted, what he wanted to create. Genesis 1 is a summary. Genesis 2 has specifics. And so we see that God created man first, Adam first. And when he created Adam first... He did it in such a way that, remember, Adam was not all-knowing. Adam still needed to be educated. Adam had some unique skills. He was different than all of the other animal kingdom in that he was made in God's image. But, But upgrades could be added all the time. He wasn't a god. He was a human being. And so the 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 way in which he learned was sometimes by way of example, not just by information. We're not talking about the way sometimes we learn by example because most of the time when we learn by example, somebody's already told us to do the right thing. And then we do the wrong thing. We say, oh, they were right. And now we've wasted a lot of time, hurt a lot of people, and got to go back and fix everything we did wrong because we didn't listen. This was not Adam's problem. God just wanted him to learn in a different way this time about what you really need. And so what we see is God creating Adam first, and he says this. The only time he says it's not good, only time, is when Adam was alone. It's not good that Adam is alone, that man is alone. And it's generally never a good thing when you're by yourself. I'm not talking about the loneliness that you experience as a result of other people not wanting to be with you. I'm talking about the choice you make to not be with people. Not good. It's not good just to be a Christian and not be a part of a church. Not good. It's not good for you to be alone. I know it's more comfortable because you don't want to deal with the drama of other folk. I get it. But listen to me. How in the world are you going to grow 
How are you going to become what you need to become unless you join with other people? Nobody on the planet does anything as well by themselves as if they were to do it with someone else. Nobody. Nobody. And surely it wasn't good for Adam to be alone because God called him to procreate. How are you going to do that by yourself? Fill the earth and subdue it. It's not good for man to be alone. And when we're talking about procreation, sure enough, it's man and female, wedding, marriage, all of that. But there's no way that you can produce as much as God wants you to produce on your own. You need other people with you in order to amplify your gifts and help you in your weaknesses. And so you got to deal with folk. And they have to deal with you. It's the way of life. And we need to embrace it if we want to grow. Not good for man to be alone. So God decided he was going to educate Adam like this rather than just, just producing a woman immediately. He says he brings to him all the animals to see what he would call them. Now, Adam realized there were two of each. And, and these two were able to do whatever they were able to do, but he was just one. And so he's, you know, animals coming to him, and, and, and naming rights means some degree of authority. So they were coming, and, and please understand, in, in, in the idea of what all the, all the animals were, there weren't billions and billions of animals, and there weren't hundreds of thousands of genomes. All the dog, you, you didn't have to name a German shepherd, and a collie, and a schnauzer, and a pit bull, all those animals came from one canine called a wolf. I know it's hard to believe that your chihuahua <laughs> has wolf DNA in him. I know it's hard to believe, but that's where she came from. All the equines came from one horse, zebras, donkeys, the little ponies they got over there in, in, in Asia. All of them came from one horse. And so all, all the cats, the, the, the cheetahs, the lions, the tigers, one, one feline. And so all Adam had to do is say that, 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 that. Done. In a day, he's done. But in naming them, he realized none of them are going to help me. I mean, they're going to help me in that. Sure enough, they may be able to do some stuff in the garden, but I got a mission. And I don't have anybody to help me to fulfill that. All of a sudden, he recognized his need. And here I go again. Animals can't meet your need. I'm sorry they didn't meet Adams. I can't find a helper suitable. Emails will start flowing. Let me tell you why I'm so strong on this. I was going to be a vet. I really care about animals a lot. I don't love them. I like them. I love people. Let me tell you what love means. Let me tell you what love means. Listen, I'm theologically based. I, I, I don't know any other way to think and think right. Love means for me, I lay down my life for you. That's what love means. It means I give myself unconditionally for your benefit. That's what love means for me. That's how I relationally connect. I'm not dying for a dog. <laughs> ever. 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 They're not going to heaven. Oh... <laughs> Uh, uh. 
okay, if God wants to reconstitute Fido for you, that's fine. But the only things that pass from here to there are those that are made in his image. I'm sorry. That's it. That's it. Job. Job lost all of his creatures, all the animals that made up his business, all of them. And he had 10 kids that he lost as well. A really, all in one day, a, the most horrific day in a man's life. When he was restored, he did, he, <laughs> when he was restored, um, he, he got double of everything. But he didn't need double kids. He got double all the animals because his 10 kids were in heaven. So he got 10 more, but he got double all the animals because none of them would meet him in glory. I'm just letting you know. And listen, you won't be disappointed when he's not there. You won't be mad. You'll love Jesus too much. It ain't going to be a big deal, I promise you. Not going to be a big deal. It wasn't... Animals weren't suitable helpers. And, 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 and I'm so strong in this because I really, I really am embattled against evolution that wants to bring us down to their level. And I love that people have to relate to people rather than animals in order to get what they need. Those two things drive me in this area. And we are so strong on the animal kingdom right now for those two things, which are underlying foundations for all we do, that we forget that there is no unconditional love from a four-legged animal to you, even though you think it is, the only reason you think it's unconditional is because they can't talk. <laughs> I'm jealous for you to relate to people. Now, whatever, whatever they can provide with respect to therapy and help for you to get through something, I'm all for. I'm not mad. I just don't want you to, to use them as a replacement. No suitable helper was found for Adam. None. None. So he realized, I have a need that's different than that. So God put him to sleep. It says that when God created man and woman, he created, him, created them male and female. And without going into the Hebrew words, because I don't have a whole lot of time, there were designations for the idea of male and female, man and woman, uh, and then their names, Adam and Eve. Um, these three designations allowed them to understand the personalities and their roles, how they were made in God's image, and what they meant to one another. And the one that was most important in this passage, although this is not a marriage seminar this morning, there's no way you can get around the idea of two people coming together, a man and a woman, which is the idea of, of Bible marriage. You can't get around it. You can be married any way you want in America now. But the Bible idea is man and a woman. And when you talk about what God says here, there's an idea that he thinks works best. Adam's name with respect to husband was Ish. I-S-H in our transliteration of the Hebrew. When he saw Eve, he said, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman. Literally, Isha. Now we take the last name and give it to our ladies as men when we say I do. Back then, the last name, because it was more prominent, meaning family name, was put in front. And so Adam thought this, and it has nothing to do, ladies, when men are giving you their name, it has nothing to do with possession or dominance. 
It has everything to do. Listen, I'm going to ask you not to clap too much because I don't have time today. It has everything to do with identity. There's nobody on the planet with which I want to identify more than you. So here's the most valuable thing I got which nobody can take away. My name. When you deny that, you deny something really special with respect to unity and oneness. It's a gift. Isha was what he called woman. That was the identifier that caused them to be one in terms of spiritual and soul unity. Yet their oneness would be manifest in other ways too. In fact, probably the best way for the Hebrew to be understood, at least how they would look at it in the original writing, is that the two would become one flesh had little to do with the spiritual union, though it does have application there, had little to do with the spiritual union of two people coming together, though it does have application there. It had a lot to do with the fact that they get to do the, 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 the privilege of fulfilling the Great Commission and having people. The two will become a baby, one flesh. That's probably all that meant, that they understood, oh, when we get together, we're going to have children. That's great. So the idea of progressing the, the vision of God on the earth was, was fully engaged in when they said, I do. You can't separate a marriage from the responsibility of having human beings. It, marriage is not about your happiness. I've said too much today. Too much. I really, you, you, you feel like you want to get up and walk out. Let me tell you something. I'm going to talk about biblical. I'm, I'm as happy as a man can be on the planet with my wife. Nobody could be happier than in the 32 years I've been married to my woman. She is phenomenal. Over the top, great. But my happiness has been derived through my submission to what God desired. Not because she makes me so every day. Because there are times when she is supposed to be what she's supposed to be to me, and that doesn't make me very happy. Right. <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. But he made them. One of the other terms is the word zakar, which means male, and 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 Nakeba, which means female. Zakar and Nakeba, male and female. Those those. Those are the only two genders God made. Now, we can make any ones we want. It doesn't change what God said in the beginning. And, and listen, I'm not, I'm, not mil I'm not militant about people who are trying to do stuff that isn't biblical. That's what they do. They've been doing that forever. That's what you were doing before you got right. I ain't mad at them. I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not mad that they're trying to change my world, my version of America. Mm, this isn't what I grew up in. Mm. I ain't mad. I just go and vote. If it doesn't work out, I pray. And I keep preaching the gospel. Because getting mad about how sinners respond to God is not redemptive. So I love people through whatever it means and they're, them figuring out what identity is. And I love them through it. And I accept them where they are and then try to do my best to understand what God wants them to be. And whether they accept my version of truth, I love them anyway. Amen. 
But there's no compromise on my part on this point. None. None. And if you happen to be struggling in this area, whether it be with what marriage looks like or who you are and identity, <laughs> you've come to a place that may not love you the way you want, but we will love you as best we know how. We will care for you, and we will treat you well, help you understand what the Bible has to say so you can be what God thought about when he thought about creating you because this world has messed up everybody's idea about what they're supposed to be. It's not good for man to be alone. God put him to sleep. And, 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 and in the process, he realized, I, I, I might wake up a little different. I, I'm not quite sure what's happening. He didn't know, but he knew that something was going on that connected between man, not, man, man being alone being not good and what he could not find in the animal creation. And so some kind of, of spiritual anesthetic hit him. And he went out. Now, God was in the process of baking this woman. He says he took a rib from the place, from his, from his side, and then formed her into him. And I'm not going to go into everything I went into last week with respect to what a woman is and, 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 and uh, excuse me, respect to what a man is in terms of being made in the image of God and in his likeness. Please refer to last week because I don't have time. But I'm going to say this. That when, when God made Eve, she was not 1A and Adam 1. She wasn't a copy that was less credible than the original. She was able to display the image of God inwardly and outwardly and his likeness just like Adam. Equally as capable, equally as strong, equally as smart, equal on every level. She was no less in the image of God than that man. No less. That doesn't mean there wasn't order, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But there was no difference in value or in esteem. Equal. And the New Testament says the same thing. That when we get in Christ, Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 28. When we get in Christ, we are all, it says there, sons of God. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no slave, there's no free, there's no Scythian, barbarian, no male, no female. It doesn't mean that God doesn't recognize the genders. Of course he does. But when we are in Christ, he sees us all as being made sons who are able to inherit things. That's all it means. That we are the ones who the Father gives things to because that's the way it was in Hebrew culture. The sons inherited. We are all sons able to inherit anything he's got. And if we are able to inherit anything he's got, we're able to steward it on the planet the way he wants us to without there needing to be a Y chromosome. Are you listening to me? There are a lot of females that are better leaders than you men are. Okay, men, come on now. That was a really, you blew it. I just want you to know you blew it. Okay, I'm going to give the husbands a minute here. There are some wives smarter than their husbands. There you go, there you go, there you go, there you go. That was T-ball, y'all. That, that was T-ball. But it still doesn't deny order. There are some places where I have more experience. I have more fruit. But when I enter, I'm not in charge. I submit to whatever order happens to be there. And I allow them to tell me what to do. 
I understand what it means to not let my, my, my background or who I am or what I've done begin to be the determiner on how I relate to people if there's an order that God already set. I submit to that order no matter what I might feel. Getting to it in a minute. So Eve and Adam, for me, were made on the same level with respect to personhood, value, and the ability to do what God wanted them to do without needing the other person to verify that they were legit. They couldn't do what they needed to do in terms of mission without each other. But they did not need the other to verify that they were legit. But the way God made Eve was just... mm. Not just that he made Eve, which was special, but the way he did it was different than he made Adam. So it says that there was not a suitable helper found for him because God wanted to bring a suitable helper. Do you know what the word suitable there is? Because it's important that we get these words down. The word suitable (laughs) means opposite. I can't find an opposite helper. My bride is the perfect opposite to me. (laughs) There could be nobody more opposite than Cynthia to me. Now, you might have this Hollywood idea about what it means to have somebody who's your soulmate. And and, and you you finish one another's sentences. And and, and you just, it's like like you were cut from the same cloth. And if you get that, happy for you. That hasn't been our experience. We have never finished one another's sentences. And every time, I mean, 32 years now, seven kids later, youngest is 19, we had a conversation this week, and it was one of these, how did you come to that from what I said? How do you think? I don't, I don't know what's going through your mind. And it's not that she's, it's not that she's, it's worse it's just different. It's so different. And I, the, the longer I go, the more grateful I am that she's my opposite. Because I don't get all the wisdom I need from somebody who thinks like me. I get a whole different perspective when I talk to my wife. Sometimes it is not the one I want. <laughs> but it's always good. And this is why you've got to grow up into drama. You've got to learn to embrace it. It's a part of the process of growth. You can't shun it. When you have disagreement, run to it. Don't run away. Figure out how to make it work. Now there's a verse in the Bible that says, you make sure you, you don't let the sun go down in your anger. That doesn't mean that every time you have a disagreement, you have to settle it before you go to sleep. Some of y'all would, would never sleep. <laughs> at work, you should be out. What's wrong? Oh, we've been fighting for four days. <laughs> it doesn't mean that. What it means is this. You choose to say, I am not going to be mad at you. We'll figure this out tomorrow. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. And if you are, you forgive them before you go to sleep. And then you figure it out tomorrow. 
disagreement is the order of life. And it's primarily because you're wrong. <laughs> I know you think it's the other person. I know you do. I know you do. 90% of the time, it's them. But they're saying the same thing about you. So when you humble yourself, the quicker you come to resolution. Embrace the drama. It's the only way you're going to grow. Or else you divorce your spouse and get a dog. <laughs> Refer to previous comments. <laughs> Opposite. That's what you need. You don't need somebody who can magnify your weaknesses. Because if somebody's just like you, that means they've got your same weaknesses. I know it might be fun for you, but if neither of you can balance a checkbook, you're in trouble. <laughs> if, you, if neither of you can clean, don't invite me to dinner. <laughs> you want somebody who's not like you. You want somebody who's not like you. And then a helper. <laughs> it's not just a suitable person, but it's a helper. That word helper, actually in the Hebrew, refers to a superior, not an inferior. It's not a subservient. It's somebody who recognizes that dude needs help. <laughs> That's what that means. In fact, it's often referred to at, when referring to God. It's used. And Jesus, in the Greek, used it in such a broad, specific way that he said, unless I go... I can't send you help. The helper who is the Holy Spirit. Women, gentlemen, this is what you need to acknowledge. You need help. And God has sent you your bride in order to help you. Suitable helper. Somebody who's opposite and somebody who recognizes your weaknesses daily. Okay. Oh, you grow in security when you're married a long time. You grow. But it says he took this rib out, and he used a different word to talk about what it meant to fashion Eve than what it meant to form Adam. The word for Adam meant handmade, kind of taking as if a potter had some clay and he was making it into something and forming it. But the word for, for, for forming Eve was the word yatsar. The other one was Bana. This is Yatsar. And it means to construct. We don't know exactly how it was different, but we just know the results. That women are completely different than men. They are constructed different in their souls. They think different than us. They process differently than us. They speak differently than us. They like to talk. <laughs> And men don't. We're made from the same stuff, but constructed differently. And we need to embrace the differences. Embracing the differences allows us to be more complete in our mission and what it means to be one with one another. Understanding that God has given us somebody a little bit complementary to us, rather than maybe the word different, because different seems antagonistic. Complementary means this. Opposites that fit. 
And this is the way Eve was to be, an opposite that fit differently thinking, differently wired. And it says that he, meaning God, brought her to the man. Now we can imply from that that Eve did not, that Adam did not wake up with Eve right next to him. That if God had to bring her to him, that he had her someplace else. Which to me implies that he was developing his own relationship with her before he gave her to Adam. Ladies, I know you, you're, you're trying to find a husband. I get it. I, I, look, seek, and you will find. <laughs> but before you try to find Mr. Wright, make sure you're Mrs. Wright. Get with God on a regular basis. Love him. Honor him. Serve him with joy. Don't be bitter about your singlehood. Find yourself in him and let him be all your desire every day. And watch how God will bring somebody into your path that will be your complement, both in spiritual maturity and in, 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 in progress and ministry purpose. Brought her to the man. And you talk about a bringing. I'm not quite sure what it was like, but we can read from the, the account, we can interpret from the account, that it was stunning. Because it wasn't love at first sight for Adam. When that woman was brought to him, she rounded the corner of some tree. And there he was sitting there eating an apple. And he went. I'm going to change your last name right now. Right now. Right now. We get married right today. Right now. It wasn't love at first sight. It was marriage at first sight. That's how beautiful. Perfect in every way. In every way we think women are good, she was all of it and better. Which made him say, hurry up, come here, come here, come here. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Come on, oh, yeah. You're going to be called woman. You got my name. Let's go, girl. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Mad love for this one. Mad love for this one. And as a result, they were able to do mission together. And the mission involved having babies because they were to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The mission involved making sure she heard from God what the mission was and she heard from Adam. That the two together aligned her priorities so that she understood not only did she have a responsibility before God, but she also had a responsibility with him. And I realize the idea of following somebody in marriage is sometimes anathema or distasteful to a lot of people. But let, let, let me tell you why God made Adam the one who was in charge. Because he, he was created first and he had the greatest responsibility for care. And when you've got responsibility, when God gives you the greatest responsibility to make sure that you are providing for that which he said, then he's got to give you authority to be able to do it. All of you know that if you've been given responsibility by your employer to do something, but you're not given the authority to carry it out, how frustrating is that? And nobody will follow you because you have no authority, but you're required to perform. 
it, it levels you. All you want to do is say, I can't do this. Go find somebody else. You want to quit, but you need the job, and so you got to have the money, and you keep going. With responsibility comes authority. The problem is this. Men want the authority without the responsibility. They want the title. They want the respect, and they are doing what they ought to do. Deserve it, men. Deserve it. Don't just wait for it to be granted. When it comes to the New Testament, we're supposed to, to do even more than Adam did. Husbands, Ephesians 5, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I know it's hard, ladies, to submit to a man who is flawed like me. I get it. Really, really difficult. And I, pry, I, 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 I pray, I, I applaud all of you who are able to do it. But gentlemen, listen, and ladies, listen. Whatever submission looks like, falls far short of what you are to do as a man. And that every day, you are to sacrifice your life for the benefit of your wife. Your desires, your wants, your needs, and consider her the most valuable asset to you from God except salvation. And every day, treat her like that. Placing her on the pedestal of your life, treating her like a queen every day until she is tired of the gifts and the flattery to where she says, you can now stop. (laughs) To which I've never heard a woman ever say. Never heard a woman say. You treat your lady like that, she'll follow you to the ends of the earth. Be deserving of it. But outside of marriage, you can't tell a woman what to do simply because you got a Y chromosome. Nothing about the Bible says that a woman needs to be subservient to a man except in the order of, of organization and marriage where men would have to be subservient to other men. Nothing. If you happen to be short like me, Five, eight, and three quarters. And there's a tall woman in, 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 in the grocery store. And you can't get the frosted mini weeps from the top aisle. <laughs> you can't tell that woman, woman, give me the frosted mini weeps. <laughs> you ain't got any right. Who in the world are you? My point is this. We all know that. But we think somehow simply because we got a Y chromosome, that gives us a right to tell folk what to do in, in settings or, or puts a ceiling on a woman because she has two X's. In God, they were created equal. Equal. And in this church, there's no ceiling for what a woman can do. We don't have one. And my, my, my practice, the, the way, my architecture, does not come because it's 2019 and somehow Pastor Brett is very progressive. My, my insight comes from 56 AD when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth or when he was writing to Timothy in 58 or 59 or Genesis chapter 1. That's where my insight comes from. Now, some folk may not agree with me. I'm not mad at them. But if you're going to live in this church, you're going to have to at least swallow. <laughs> but that doesn't mean we don't treat you different. You're very capable, ladies, of doing anything we can do. I'm not talking about physical labor, but I am going to talk about physical labor now. 
You are capable of doing anything. You can talk. You can prophesy. You can pray. You can administrate. You can do anything we can do. And sometimes better because you have a different feel for what God is doing. It's, it's phenomenal for me to watch. But there's some things we don't let you do. It's our practice. In this church, we're not going to let you open a door. If you're mad about that, go now. <laughs> we love you like that. There's some things we ought to do because we care about you. It has nothing to do with your capability. It has everything to do with how we believe chivalry is not dead here. Amen. That's how we treat women here. That's how I live with my bride and my house. And I'm begging you, ladies, receive, come up to a new level. Because not only does this free you, but it makes you responsible. You've got to obey God at a deep level. That's the last point. She was required to obey just like her husband. Obey. Obey. She didn't. Both of them experienced the consequences of both of their disobedience. Obey. And watch what God will do for you. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Empower us as a people to be the kind of folks that can serve you well.